Hello one and all, and welcome to Film Fragments, a podcast where we take fragments of an actor, director, and genre and tell you our favorites from their catalog. My name is Brian Suffield, I'm your host, and I'm very excited to welcome you guys to this week's episode of Film Fragments, where today we're going to be talking about our favorite film star and Oscar winner Natalie Portman in honor of May-December, which is now available to stream everywhere on Netflix. I'm very excited to delve into the career of Natalie Portman today. One of my absolute favorite performers working today. She really is a class act. She's fantastic. She's been acting for nearly 30 years. She's been giving great performances since she was a child. And she's evolved into one of the finest towns in the business right now. So I cannot wait to delve into the career of Natalie Portman. And I'm very excited to welcome today's guest. Our guest today is Natasha Alvar. She is a film editor over at Culture Vultures. She is a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic. And she is a member of the Cherry Picks. Natasha, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm very excited to talk to you about Natalie Portman. But before we get into talking about Natalie Portman, I would just love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself, talk about what you do, what got you into film, and why you love it so much. All right. So, um, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a film editor at Cultured Vultures. So, I help run the film section of the site. How I got into film, which is is a kind of strange journey, because actually, technically, I'm more of a book person. So, uh, yeah, so I think it had been, I just had joined teaching. So I'm an English teacher for in my day job. So I had been teaching for about five years, and I, I didn't have anything besides my job. So I would just go to my job, come back, you know, think about my job, the entire day, basically. So I just needed something for myself. And that's when I started like blogging about film. And then I got into the, you know, I started meeting more people. And then I wrote into Cultured Vouchers. So it's actually quite strange because I actually wrote like a short story. And that's how I started writing for them, actually. Yeah. So, uh, and then when the position became available, I actually asked and then um, my editor-in-chief trained me. And then, yeah, I guess the rest is is history. Yeah, but I guess um, being able to kind of think, talk about film and analyze film comes from really being a literature major because, yeah, I spent my entire life really analyzing text in all forms, you know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the long and short of it. I think it's weird to go from, I think, a casual movie watcher to, I think, a film critic. And yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel it's ruined films <laughs> for me because I can't watch, like, you know, the trashy ones anymore because I can um, I see all the issues and I understand why, you know, sometimes why um, the critics are hard on the film. Yeah, so uh, it's had... It has its joys and it has its, I guess, sadness. I don't know. Yeah, but um, I enjoy all parts of it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And when you reached out, expressed an interest in coming on the show, you had talked about being a huge fan of Natalie Portman. So to pose this question to you, why do you think Natalie Portman, as I said at the top, is a very respectful talent worker today? Why do you think a lot of people get excited whenever they see Natalie Portman's name attached to a project? Why do you think a lot of people love her so much? And what makes you such a fan of Natalie Portman? Okay, so I think the thing about Natalie Portman is that I think as an actor, sometimes... Um, 
I guess when you watch a lot of film, you kind of, you can kind of start to differentiate. I think um, you know the good actors, the mediocre from the great ones. Uh, and I think what she's able to do is always, I think, regardless of the film, regardless of the source material, she's always present. Uh, she's like one of the most engaging things about a film. She lets herself sit in these moments in a film, uh, and she's just so um, mesmerizing to watch. I think um, there's a there's a quote from one of her films, and someone says, you know, um, when she's in character, someone calls her disarming, right? Um, and I think that, in a nutshell, is what she is in reality. She's very disarming and um, just so mesmerizing to watch on screen i think whenever she's on screen she's the only thing i can kind of focus on sometimes uh and it's and it's a gift i think regardless of the film i think regardless of how developed the character is i think i can always watch a film for her so i think i mean that's the best thing you can be i think as an actor and i think the range in her filmography i mean she's done like a rom-com uh she's done like dramatic films uh, she's done, you know, I think dark comedy like May December. Um, yeah, the I think the sheer variety. I think a lot of actors, I think, are unable sometimes to maybe you know if they are more of a dramatic actor, then they really can't handle more of the comedic parts or you know vice versa. But she's able to you know go into any film. I think uh, even like you know a Marvel film, right, and just be as interesting as she is in, you know, an indie film or a regular film, yeah. So I think that's what I really admire about her talents. Yeah, I think it's... She's a movie star, I guess, in, in for lack of a better word. I think sometimes these days we don't get so many of them. I, I kind of miss the days where there were, you know, movie stars. But, um, yeah, I think in a nutshell that's what she is. Yeah, I I love Natalie. I think she's fantastic. And like you said, she has this prolific range to her filmography and her acting chops as well. She's the kind of performer that doesn't stick to one specific kind of role. She does all these different things. Like you said, she's done comedy and drama and romances. And she's been in two of the biggest franchises of all time, Marvel and Star Wars. And she's done blockbusters indie small films she's been nominated for multiple academy awards she has an oscar to her name she is such a fantastic talent and anytime she's on screen i know that she's always going to give 110 percent, even if she's in a film that is really not on par with a lot of the other films that she puts out but i've been a fan of her for a very long time since i was a kid and i first saw her in star wars and over the years, she's grown into one of my favorite on-screen presence, and I always love what she's able to do, not only in front of the camera, but she's also proven to be a committed person behind the camera, too. She's produced a handful of films. She even directed a film a while back. She's done a lot, and I commend her truly. She is a fantastic performer, and coming up with this list was definitely not easy. This was not an easy list to put together of just our five favorite films starring Natalie Portman, but I'm pretty comfortable in saying that I'm very confident in this list. I'm very excited to share the list. I'm also excited to hear what you have as your top five Natalie Portman films. So I just say without further ado, let's get into the list. So Natasha, what is your number five favorite Natalie Portman film of all time? Uh, that would be Alex Garland's Annihilation. So that's number five on my list. Uh, 
Yeah, I rewatched Annihilation, I think, for, <laughs> I guess, for prep for the podcast. And I know it has kind of mixed um, reviews, I think, as a lot of Alex Garland's films do. Um, because sometimes I think it's a bit heavy on the symbolism more than I think um, sometimes the plot. I think people were very like preoccupied with like the logic and the plot holes of it all. They're like, you know, why don't they just storm the yard and just bomb the place and things like that? But um, I don't know. I've I've always appreciated films. I think that have been able that make me think that uh you know after it's done uh can mesmerize me and i think uh really capture me in the whole entire duration that i'm watching it it's very different from the book um but equally enjoyable uh i think the themes of uh self destruction and those impulses in humanity is so um it's so relevant, I guess. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I was thinking about it the whole way. And I think Natalie Portman does so much with her character, Lena. Like, um, I, I mean, there's not much, I think, has way of dialogue, I think, in the film. It's very visual film, uh, very driven on its soundscape as well. Um, and of course, the symbolism. But she makes, um, we can kind of understand Lena and her self-destructive um, tendencies. You know, so, you know, Lena, um, as we find out through the film, is has done something, you know, in her marriage. And that has kind of led her husband to make certain choices in regard to that, right? So I think the idea of um, our capacity or our inclination towards self-destruction, both physically and emotionally, is just very interesting yeah i mean we i think we all can relate to that i think we all have little impulses that we have to kind of bat away to you know make sure that we don't i think give in and i found that like really intriguing uh yeah and i think i mean i don't know if it's the most scientifically <laughs> scientifically accurate film um you know the whole refraction thing and everything uh but i guess i've never really watched the film for those reasons i think um yeah, I guess sci-fi just requires you to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Yeah, so I really enjoyed her performance. I think she made a lot of the character, um, you know, despite I think there's not a lot of meat to the character, but I think she did a lot with the with the relationships. She made, like, um, the whole marriage, I think, with uh, Oscar Isaacs, Kane, very real. You know, they have like little moments, right? So in the film, we don't really see them together for a very protected time. So you get these little like um scenes and little vignettes of their married life. And we see the love and we see the affection. But we also know that, you know, because of his career, because of his job, there's also like distance and, um, you know, and I guess what that builds up. So I don't know. It's just a very fascinating film. I love when sci-fi can be... Um, I mean, that's the whole point of sci-fi. I feel it's to it's there for us to realize or understand certain human realities. So I think she gave great performance. The film was intriguing, um, great cast and ensemble. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, up there with uh, Ex Machina, I think it's one of my favorite films from Garland. Yeah. So yeah, what do you think? Have you watched? I mean, I'm sure you've watched Annihilation. <laughs> 
So this is actually my number five as well. Um, I'm a huge oh, fan God. of Annihilation. Yeah, I'm huge, huge fan. I love Annihilation. I think Annihilation is a very criminally underrated sci-fi film, especially at the last five to ten years. I mean, it's crazy. This film is going on its sixth anniversary. It came out in early 2018. And I remember being so excited walking into this because of how much I adored Ex Machina. I was such a fan of that film. That was an incredible directorial debut from someone who had proven himself to be a great screenwriter and now just proven that he also is a good director as well. So to follow up that film with this, with a a bigger budget, a bigger studio behind it, and a really cool cast behind it as well, I love Annihilation. I think that, yeah, like you said, it definitely has a bit of a polarizing response to it, which is definitely the case with a lot of Alexander Garland's films. I mean, he's only directed three films. I would say Ex Machina is definitely the most beloved of the three films that he's done so far. This definitely got a very positive word of mouth, but not as positive as Ex Machina. And I don't know where you stand on men, but I thought Men was a huge step down from these two films, from Ex Machina and Annihilation. But that's a different discussion for another time. Um, I agree with you on Natalie's performance. There's so much to it. There's so much there, and she doesn't have to say a lot, which is really impressive. It's so incredible whenever an actor is able to emote so much without saying anything. And I think it's a very layered and nuanced performance from her. And I really like the character because you don't necessarily know where to stand with her. I mean, the movie literally opens up with, you know, something going on in her personal life that I'm not going to spoil just in case anyone out there hasn't seen the movie. But um, there are so many pieces that are coming together throughout the movie where you start to get a sense of who the character is. And I find it to be an incredibly riveting arc. But I definitely agree with you about how maybe the style of the film maybe overtakes the substance. But I found the substance to be absolutely engrossing from start to finish. One of my favorite sequences in the entire film, and honestly it might be my favorite sequence in the entire film, is when they come across that camcorder and they're seeing what Oscar Isaac and his team were encountering. And again, there was not much being said in that scene, but the there was a lot of fear to be found there, and I thought it was absolutely riveting. And I really loved Natalie in the film. I loved her chemistry with all the women in this film. It's really sickening that this movie came out, and a lot of people talk about how there's no originality in Hollywood now. Here we have an original film. It's based on a book, but it's not like a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or based on some IP. It's it has women lead in it. It's a sci-fi film. It's a pretty sick premise, and nobody saw it. And I know that this isn't exactly a movie that everybody is going to love, but my thing is whenever people complain about there being no originality in Hollywood, they're pushing aside this movie because this is very original. This is different from most sci-fi films that we get nowadays. And also the ending hasn't left my brain. I will admit that I haven't watched this movie since it came out. Almost six years ago, it's nuts how long it's been since it came out. But um, that ending really stuck to me where it was her and then the other thing that was impersonating her and everything. That the score underlining it was incredible. The visuals were spectacular. Oh, yeah. I It's a really visually stunning film. 
it's really incredible, and it showed that Alex Garland could do more than just a smaller, intimate chamber piece, which is what essentially he did with Ex Machina. And I wish that he would direct more. I, I really didn't like Men. I was very disappointed with that movie. Um, I thought it was directed well, but the writing was really all over the place. And yeah, I love Annihilation. Um, it's great. It almost didn't make the top five for me. It was battling out with another film that I'll talk about later in my honorable mentions. But Annihilation's great. And it's so underrated, and I wish more people talked about it. And yeah, it's it's so good. It's so good. And I'm really glad that both of us got to kick off this episode by talking about it. So now, transitioning into our number fours, what is your pick? Okay, yeah. Uh, this is the problem when I try to read a list of my leg. Uh, okay, so number four, I don't know if this is a controversial choice, but number four for me is uh, May-December, uh, which just released. And uh, I think it's a film, I think in, um, I don't know, I think in current landscape, when I think when films are quite, sometimes can be quite formulaic or, you know, quite standard, I really like... Uh, I think the risks that this film takes, and I think it's such a, you know, an interesting commentary. I think on how we consume things as you know, as people, like what kind of entertainment we enjoy. You know, the sordid, the salacious, um, and then you know, in our bid, you know, in our desire to kind of consume this material, uh, we forget that actually it's real people's lives. You know, there are real people at the center of it, you know. And I mean, this film is also based, you know, loosely, I guess, on a real life story. Uh, yeah, so I think um, in the film, Natalie plays uh, this actress who is basically starring in a film, um, starring this other character, you know, based on this character's life, right, Gracie, and her relationship with her husband. So, you know, Natalie comes in and uh, she's there. And I think the the difficulty of the role, because she's playing an actress that is um, there to shadow another lady. So, you know, she's an actress, but she's not Natalie, right? Um, you know, and she's this very particular type of actress that, you know, starred in, I think, um, a kind of strange TV series or something like that. People keep commenting about it throughout the film. So... I don't know. It's it's her character is so parasitic and in such a subtle way. Like you know, we kind of understand that um, there's nothing in her life. There's this hollowness to her existence, and all she can do really is that you know she what she enjoys. I think is just capturing or taking or um, molding herself to becoming someone else, something else, right? Because you know her own real like guess character is just so hollow and I think the fascinating thing is I think you know thinking about how she starts the film and then how we learn more about her character as it unfolds and I think the idea of the boundaries that she's willing to kind of cross in um in pursuit of her art right I think it's very interesting how you know, I think as people, we de defend a lot of our choices because we we say we do it for certain reasons, you know. Like in the film, Gracie crosses boundaries in the name of love, right? She's like, you know, um, I love this man, or I love child, right? And then therefore, you know, that she felt like that gave her permission to do certain things, right? Um, and in a way, um, Natalie Portman's... Uh, 
you know, actress does the same thing as well, right? She crosses boundaries in the name of her art, right? And the irony is that, you know, at the end we discover, you know, is the art even um, particularly deep or particularly um, gratifying, you know? I think what do we count as art? And I think um, what, you know, I guess what's the point of it all? I don't know. It's just really... um, darkly funny when Julian Moore says, I don't think we have enough hot dogs. I think that's probably the quote of the year. I don't know. Yeah, I really um, enjoy, I think, the risk that this film takes. I think the score is fantastic. And um, Natalie Portman's monologue in the film, I think, will probably get her an Oscar nomination. It's just fantastic. I don't think an actor can just hold your attention. You know, it's just a close-up of her face, right? And she's delivering this monologue as a character, right? And it's just, you know, hard focus on her face. And um, I don't think... I think the monologue goes on for, like, about five minutes, I think. It's kind of long. But I'm the whole time, I'm just, like, riveted because, you know, you can see her shedding her, you know, her own character, her actress persona, and then taking on this new persona, you know, in her... in the way her her enunciations are, her face, the way, you know, she talks... Yeah, and it's just very, um, it's just great to have a film, I guess, with all these powerhouse actresses in it. And uh, yeah, and of course, Charles, Charles Melton's performance was just heartbreaking. So um, yeah, I always like it when a film, I think, can come out and I think stun like this. Um, smartly written, I think well-directed, uh, great score. So I think it's going to get a lot of buzz, I think, come Oscar season, especially for um, Portman. I think definitely another Oscar nomination, I think, if I'm a betting woman. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I guess it's maybe it's a bit low on the list, but I think I just have too many other Natalie Portman films that I enjoy. So it takes number four. Yeah. So this is the second time that we have a film in common because this is also my number four. Crazy enough. It's absolutely wild. I'm so curious to see if we have any other films in common. Oh, we definitely wow. do. We de- we definitely do. We're definitely going to have at least wow. one more film in common, I would say. Um, I mean, you nailed it on the head beautifully with this film. It's So first of all, I just have to say that, yes, the hot dogs line, that that's the line of the year, the line <laughs> delivery of the year. That absolutely will go down as one of the greatest line deliveries that this entire year has given us. Um, I've seen this film twice. I saw it. It was the opening night film at the New York Film Festival back in September, and I really liked it a lot when I saw it then. But just before it dropped on Netflix, I went to go see it one more time in theaters just to see where I would stand on it. And I loved it even more the second time. I feel like this is a film that definitely benefits from a second viewing. Um, I... I love Natalie's work in this. I agree. It's a phenomenal performance and definitely one of my favorites that she's given in a very long time. Honestly, it might be my favorite that she's given since probably Jackie. It might be my favorite that she's given since then. Um, I don't know if she'll get nominated for an Oscar. It's really, it's a stacked year for Best Actress. Um, But I definitely feel like if the cards are played right and Netflix campaigns this film really hard... She could sneak her way into the actress five. It's a possibility, but that doesn't change how I feel about the performance. The performance is incredible. I like how you brought up how her being an actress, she's so focused on bringing the art to life. She claims that she wants to bring this story properly to life. She wants to, you know, not exactly glamorize 
Julianne Moore and Charles Melton's relationship. She wants to present it in the realistic way. But then there's all these little twists and turns that go on throughout the movie where you realize Natalie Portman isn't exactly who she says. The character of Elizabeth is definitely more twisty than you anticipate, especially from the start. And um, I agree with you of how, you know, there are performers, there's artists, any kind of artists, actors, filmmakers, musicians, um, novelists, all these people. They're so focused on telling the story that when they come across something that's, you know, someone's life, they think of it just as a story and nothing else. But there's that particular scene without giving anything away, of course, where she's talking with uh, Charles Melton, who, by the way, in my opinion, is the MVP of the movie. I thought he was incredible. He was phenomenal. Uh, one of the best performances of the year is from him. Um, she literally says to him, oh, I can't wait to bring this story. He's like, you think this is a story? This is my life. This isn't a story. This is this is my life. This is what happened to me and everything. And I was so devastated by that and realizing, oh, man, Elizabeth is kind of a scumbag. She's, she's kind of a scumbag when you really think about it. And um, yeah. no, it's extraordinary. I mean, Todd Haynes directed the hell out of this. It's really incredible what he was able to bring. Sammy Burgess screenplay is one of the best of the entire year. Um, the fact that it's her first screenplay ever is so shocking to me. Yeah. Beca because, yeah. I mean, like you listen to the dialogue and you think that this is written by someone who's written multiple screenplays. But the fact that this is her first is really impressive. It's a hell of a debut, and it's definitely going to garner a Best Screenplay nomination for sure. Um, I love the characters. I love that it's set in Georgia. I think that's great. Um, it's really cool when you hear about how this movie was shot in less than a month. They shot this in a very tight amount of days, like 28 days, I believe, which is short for a film shoot. That's, that's very quick. But you could just see all the love poured into it from the acting, the directing, the writing, the score you brought up is incredible. I love the film. It flied very quickly for me. I really love how emotional it was. There were some comedic elements to it for sure. But I definitely yeah. consider this more of a drama than a comedy. For anyone that's saying <laughs> that this is a campy movie, it's really not a campy movie. It's actually a really yeah. devastating movie. Uh, yes, there's moments in it that are very goofy and everything, but... They feel earned, which I really appreciate. And all I'll say is that, um, yeah, that monologue, um, masterclass work on her part, uh, one of the best acted scenes of her entire career. And, you know, like you said, the camera didn't cut. It was on her face for like three, four minutes. And I remember when I saw the movie for the first time, I was my my jaw like just dropped. I had no idea how to articulate that scene because I'm just like, this is like, I'm not seeing Natalie Portman. I'm seeing the character of Elizabeth here. She disappeared into the role and she did a kick-ass job. She was so good in this film. And this film really is incredible. And I'm really glad that I got a chance to watch it again before hopping onto this podcast because I was a big fan of it when I saw it the first time, but I knew that it was going to be one that I would appreciate a lot more in the second viewing. And I absolutely did. It went from being in my top 25 of the year and now it's right outside my top 10 and honestly if you ask me tomorrow it could end up being in my top 10 of the entire year like it's it's that great of a film i love it so much and 
yeah, it's so good. And yeah, if you haven't watched it yet, if anyone listening has not watched May December yet, you absolutely need to hop on Netflix right now and watch it. It's sad because it's too good of a movie to be on Netflix. Netflix really doesn't deserve this movie. But I'm glad that it. So, a part of me is glad that it is on Netflix because everybody has Netflix. A lot of people go on Netflix to watch things. So hopefully they watch this and they fall in love with it similar to me and Natasha. So May, December is our number fours. So now going into our number threes, what is your pick? I think, sorry, before before we go into number three, I just needed to shout out, um, I think, Natalie Portman's line. I don't even remember the line, but uh, when she says to um, Melton's character, she says, that's just what grown-ups do. Mm-hmm. I don't know, the line is so haunting. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And I think it just yeah. establishes, I think, um, where her character stands in regard to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and... It's just, yeah, it's just so sad because I think everyone just treated him, uh, treats him like this grown-up that should know better, but he is a child, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, just the way she delivered the line, you know, so cold, oh, so I know. Uh, factual on the bit. Yeah, it it's, I don't know. Uh, It's a normal line, right? I think it's just a simple line of dialogue, but it's just chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. She's great. Okay, yeah, Um, number two. Number three is um Black Swan. Uh yeah, I think um this movie was I think really popular when it was released. I think um it got a lot of traction in part because of Natalie Portman's performance, in part of certain I think controversies like um did she perform, you know, the ballet scenes, etc., etc. I think there was a lot of things happening and a lot of dialogue regarding that. Uh, I think just looking past all that, you know, um, I think that she was just very riveting in the role. I think um, the idea here, I think, of a psychological thriller set against the landscape of ballet is just a very interesting take on the entire thing i think recently there's another film that tries to do this i think birds of paradise but i think no one's kind of come close to what aronofsky has done um i don't know the descent of her character nina you know that 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 blurring between real and um fiction and imaginative right you know she starts to hallucinate what's real what's not i think the physical toll that her art starts to take on her body um yeah, I think we you know we always talk about how uh, actors you know artists suffer for their art, right? You know, but this really takes it to a whole new level. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, when we think of the world of ballet, it's always so you know this this idea of this light um, for the um, world. You know, with this all these graceful, beautiful dancers. You know, that kind of just yeah, <laughs> flit on stage. But um, actually, in reality, it's just really dark. Um, you know, I think it's teased in certain films, like, you know, Center Stage, I think, kind of talks about um, uh, the, you know, the things that, the pitfalls, I think, that um, ballet dancers have to face, you know, like, eating disorders, I think, was something which um, Portman's character goes through, Nina goes through. Um, that that isolation, I think, looking at everyone has your competition, looking out for yourself, right? You've got to be the best. But what does the best kind of entail? Um, and I think Nina's kind of um, 
tussle between these two sides of herself, right? You know, the black swan and the white swan, right? Um, you know, she, in her entire life, she's always tried, I think, to be the good eagle, right? Um, or you know, to do what's right, uh, for her mom, for herself, for her art. Um, and she's always, you know, um, the idea of control, and I think she's always needed to be in control of herself in what she does, and you know, and the the teacher says basically that's the issue, right? That's why she can't play, you know, initially. He doesn't want her to play the Black Swan or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, really great performance from her. I can understand why she took home the Oscar for that. And um, just her commitment in terms of physicality, in terms of um, that psychological torment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a film very, very focused on her. And like, once again, right, it's not very dialogue driven. There's a lot of it is, you know, based on her face, her he, her emotive, her, her, her desire to emote certain things. So I, I think it's always really great when an actor can do that just with their physicality and, you know, their face and their expression. Uh, yeah, and I think it's just a very enjoyable film. I haven't watched it for a very long time. <laughs> I didn't manage to I didn't manage to rewatch it for um the podcast, but I know I really enjoy it. I can still remember her performance. I enjoy it. And I think it's a it's a decent film. It's a great it's a good film. And yeah, I think it shines because of her. And I think that's when you know an actress is doing her stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my number three. Black Swan and number three. Oh man, that is too low. Uh, big pass for me. It's higher on my list. Um, big pass. Big pass. Can't I'm wait to sorry. talk about it. You know what? You know what? It's okay. But you know what? We I I was thinking to myself. I'm like, man, what if we have the same number three? Then that'd be crazy. That'd be wild if we have uh, the same that's, bottom I'm three. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I broke it's, the streak. I broke the streak. I mean, it was it was difficult. I have to say, I I went back and forth on my top three like yeah so many times. Um, I think it's just because I like certain films better i think no i, I think understand Black Swan is a great film yeah <laughs> i totally so understand all, i'm that. just gonna get swamped by um aronofsky fans <laughs> i was <laughs> like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> but you know what at least at least it made your list at least it made your list yeah <laughs> and i will i, I will talk it about it when i get to it for sure i have a lot to say <laughs> i have a lot to say it, um, um... <laughs> Yeah, it would be strange if it didn't make my list. I think. No, I think it would be. be it. yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's. I mean, not that it matters. It's the film she won the Oscar for, and it's like a good win yeah. and everything. So, <laughs> but um, you know, my number three is so different from Black Swan. So, um, there's a lot of biasy towards this particular film for me for many reasons, and I'll explain why when I get to it. So. My number three is a little film called Garden State from 2004. Um, I have a lot to, you know, I apparently in the film Twitter community, apparently this is a very disliked movie, which I don't, I, I don't understand why. Um, I'll, I'll explain why this means the world to me. First of all, the movie's called Garden State. Garden State is what they call New Jersey, New Jersey is the state that I've lived in my whole life. So I have a bit of biasy whenever a movie is shot in New Jersey, whenever it's set in New Jersey. There's a 
it's very special for me because we don't really get a lot of films set in New Jersey, so it's like a really special thing for me. We especially don't get a lot of movies that are set in New Jersey that are also shot in New Jersey. Because you could see that there are many movies that take place in New Jersey, but you could tell it's not New Jersey. I mean, if you're looking that deep into it, you could just you could find all the details and everything. But Garden State, um, so it's the directorial debut of Zach Braff, and it stars him as an actor who had been away from home for nine years. Then he returns home after his mother passes away. He hadn't talked to his family. He's very socially reclusive. Um, he's very depressed as well. He's very messed up. We'll just say that the character is very, very messed up. He has a <laughs> lot going on internally, and he's struggling to convey it, how he's feeling. But during his time home, which is kind of essentially a journey of self-discovery and finding your purpose and who you really are, he befriends uh, Natalie Portman's character, Sam, uh, he being Zach Braff playing the character of Andrew. Um, Sam is, it's very important to address that Sam is a very compulsive liar. She has a tendency of lying er about everything that she talks about. She's like, oh, I have a boyfriend. Actually, no, I don't have a boyfriend. Oh, my dad tried to kill me. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, my brother's this. Oh, but he's not that, actually. Like, she constantly lies about every single thing in her life. But th this is a very charming performance from Natalie Portman. I mean, we've talked so far about very not-so-happy performances from Natalie Portman, so it's <laughs> nice that we're yeah. kind of changing it up and talking about one that is incredibly delightful and very charming. She is so good in this movie, and I know that this is the movie that essentially created the whole uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing, and I know that some people don't vibe with that. I totally get that, but... I think the reason why I love this movie so much, again, aside from the fact that it's set and shot in New Jersey, I genuinely find this story to be... I find it to be relatable in some sense because I'm around the age that Zach Braff's character is in this movie, and I'm still figuring so much out about myself and where I belong and what my purpose is. And I also just think it balances comedy and drama really beautifully one minute you're laughing a lot and then the next moment you you feel things and i think it's beautifully held by braff i think it's one of the coolest not, not, cool may be a the wrong word to use but i think it's one of my favorite directorial debuts from an actor and at this point in his career zach braff was starring on scrubs which is a which is a hilarious show and on that show he plays kind of a goof on that show so then to see this more vulnerable side of him was something that i feel like shocked everybody when they went to go see this and obviously i didn't see this when it came out i was super young when this came out so when i got around to finally watching it i was really impressed with his skills behind the camera and i also thought he gave a genuinely good performance in the movie and i really loved his chemistry with natalie portman i thought they worked off each other really beautifully also shout out to pierre sarsgaard who's really good in this movie as well very underrated performance from him um but you know this is a natalie portman podcast and to specifically talk about natalie i really just love seeing a comedic side of her because 
we brought up how she's done some comedy. I think when she's given a good comedic script, she literally, she really delivers. And I think that's the case here. I thought she was super funny in this. There's a particular sequence where she takes Andrew to her house and Sam's like moving around her body and doing all these noises and everything to help kind of like feel better and release pain and everything. And it's, you know what? I find it to be incredibly delightful. And yeah, I love the movie so much. It's one of my all-time favorites. The only reason why I don't have it, you, this would technically be, if if I were being real, this is the Natalie Portman movie that I've seen the most. I've watched this movie countless amounts of times. But since she's not the lead of the movie, I this is not the first movie that I think of when I think of Natalie Portman. And it's also not her best movie either. I know it's all subjective, but... When I think of Natalie Portman, this is not the first thing that I think of right away. But I knew that I had to put it on the list because of how much I love the movie. I think it's really fantastic. And I understand why there are a lot of people that don't like it and everything. People think it's essentially Zach Braff trying to do his own spin on The Graduate, except it's not necessarily, you know, about a man in a relationship with an older woman and then the said older woman's daughter and everything. Um a lot of great Neil drops throughout the movie, though, and that's something that Zach Braff is really known for. He was in charge of a lot of the music choices on Scrubs, and he's made a plenty of films since. He had a film come out earlier this year called A Good Person, which wasn't my favorite. I was a little let down by it, if I'm being honest, but I love his use of music and all of his stuff, especially here. I mean, when you open up a movie with a Coldplay song, you're autom- you automatically have me hooked. Like that's that's the rule. If you have a cold, if you have a Coldplay song, either opening your film or closing your film, you have me hooked. And I love a yeah. lot of neo drops in this film. It's so good. And yeah, I love Garden State, and I love Natalie in it. And I really would love for her to do more comedy. She's done a fair share of comedies throughout the years, but I feel like comedy is a genre that she really hasn't done as much as she should. When given the right script, yeah. she could literally deliver a great comedic performance. So Garn says my number three. I'm gonna assume this is not on your list, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on Garn State. Um, wouldn't it be funny if it's my number two or something? Okay, uh I think I did it it's probably number six on my list. I think I went back and forth. Um a couple of times between uh, this and I think Annihilation, which you know was number five. Uh, I I'm surprised to hear actually that it's not well received on film Twitter. I don't know. Whenever I've heard it talked about, people have been very complimentary, and I think it's always the Natalie Portman film that people actually mention. That people you know when people say she can't act or something. <laughs> I think uh, I think sometimes the Star Wars films kind of gave her, you know, I think has. Hayden Christensen, I think, gave them a bad rap of, you know, they can't act or whatever. Um, you know, and people are like, oh, you know, you should watch Garden State, right? So I think, I don't know, it's always, um, from what I know of it, it's it's gotten, like, good word of mouth. I haven't watched it since I last watched it, which was ages ago, so I can't really, like, remember a lot of it. Um, yeah, so I was debating, I think, before this, whether to watch this, rewatch this, or rewatch Annihilation, and then I chose <laughs> Annihilation. So, yeah, so Garden State is is um up there, but yeah, it's not my it's not my top five. I would say mainly because I guess it's not her film. It's 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 good, but I think it's like um like you say, I think when you think of films starring Natalie Portman, it's not the first that comes to mind. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, I mean, I I don't, I think, I think films that mean a lot are actually usually deeply personal. I think that's why Coda did as well as it did um, during Oscar season, I think. Sometimes I think, um, you know, in our bit, you know, to to think about the technical accomplishments of film, we sometimes forget that, you know, a lot of film is just really supposed to be there, I think, um, yeah, I guess to help us understand ourselves a little bit better. So I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, you have that film and I think um, that it, it resonates so much with you. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, it's not on my list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally get why it wouldn't be like the go-to for a Natalie Portman top five, but I really adore it. And also it has one of my favorite endings of all time, them in the airport reuniting and everything. I think it's a beautiful way of capping the film off. Um, yeah, I love I love the movie to pieces. And anytime that I'll – any opportunity I get to talk about it on this podcast, I will absolutely talk about it. Um, and there's not too many opportunities because I don't ever see myself doing a Zach Braff ranked episode. I don't ever <laughs> see that happening. Um, if I ever do a New Jersey films ranked episode, it would probably be number one. But, um, well, I mean, well, I mean, Patterson is like a close contender for me. That's, a, that's a masterpiece, but, oh, um, man. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, Garn, yeah, Garn State is, it's so good. It's so good. So now our top two. Our top two. This is very interesting because I was under the impression that Black Swan would definitely be in your top two. Um, but now since it's you know, it's not, I I have a feeling that there is one particular film I have a feeling there is one film we have in common in the top two. I could be wrong. Yeah, I really could be yeah. wrong. But I'm so curious to hear your top two. So tell us what your second favorite Natalie Portman film of all time is. Uh, that would be V for Vendetta. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very good adaptation of the graphic novel. I think it's actually quite different from uh, the novel, but it, I think, written by the Wachowskis. Uh, I mean, I always love dystopian fiction. I think um, the character V is an anti-hero, right? He's a perpetuator of anarchy. It's just fascinating. I think it's so... I mean, even though this is a Natalie Portman podcast, I think it's so... Um, I'm, I'm quite sad that Hugo Weaving actually never really got a lot of accolades um, for his various performances in mm -hmm. so many of these films. Um, he's magnificent. Uh, you know, the voice acting. I mean, I think... I don't know. I think when you when you when you read about this film, I think uh, there's this all this talk about how there's another actor that was initially cast, and you know some of the physical scenes are actually that actor, but I'm not I'm not quite sure. But I think uh, the that ability. I think I always find it fascinating when an actor is covered up and you can't you know because so much of their bread and butter is really their face, um, you know that emotion that they can exude. But you know Hugo Weaving does it all with just his voice and it's just incredible um the dialogue is rich um and smart uh you know i love all the alliteration i think is a lit major that's it's great <laughs> it's great when a film has alliteration um yeah and i think uh as much as you know weaving is of course great and fat and fantastic i think this film wouldn't be what it is without 
Portman, she as Evie is really the heart of the film. Uh, and that whole scene, you know, the scenes with her as she's being tortured and imprisoned, is just heart-wrenching to watch, right? Um, you know, and it's also, I think, one of the most poignant moments of the film. You know, when she reads um, the letter from a fellow prisoner, right? Um, you know, who went through, you know, certain things because of, um, you know, discrimination and all that, right? The suffering. And I think, and I think it still resonates today, you know? I mean, yeah, we don't live in a dystopian, but I think um, that that consistent tussle between, you know, the idea of individuality, that need for conformity, that um, that frowning on difference, you know, the, the way... Um, yeah, the, the the othering that you know still happens in society. I think, um, and I mean, I don't know. When we look at what go, what's going on in the world, I think, um, it's a film that I don't know. It really spoke to me. I think because I think in life sometimes we just feel that we are just drifting and that you know we don't really have a lot of agency and that you know like oh the government owns my body, right? You know, there's there's not much I think that I can view in terms of you know agency. And I think um the film is basically a huge um idea of how you know how much power i think the collective has and how much power i think you have have has as an individual evie was just a regular person right who was really just part of the system and at the end of the film she became the other face of the revolution you know um and it talks i think about revolutions and you know systems in in terms of destruction creation uh yeah and i don't know yeah because i think just her performance um you know those moments I think it just really, really heightens the film, and I don't know. Um, I don't know how whatever her love between her and you know V, it's kind of weird, but um, I can kind of understand it in a sense. Um, yeah, I I think she took a character that could maybe feel very um, sidelined in the film, you know, about someone I think that's very you know larger than life, but she really you know pulls your attention and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I always cry when I watch her scenes in in those moments. It's really gut wrenching, and yeah, as usual. I mean, she's not. I think she just. It's just amazing how much she thrives without dialogue. I don't know. It's just a. It's just such a huge skill that she has. So yeah, I enjoyed the film. Has a film. I enjoyed her performance. Yeah, and I guess that's why it's my number two. Is it one of your films? Is it one of this your? Is, this is this <laughs> is not, not on my list. No, it's not on my list. Oh, how is that uh, possible? Oh my god! Um, I will oh admit that I will admit that I am one of the people that I do really like V for Vendetta a lot. I think it's very good. Yeah. It's unfortunately a film that I just haven't seen enough to solidify myself as like a gigantic fan of it. And also, it's been a long yeah. time since I have seen it. But also, there is a part of me that's, like, kind of terrified to go back to it because Hugo Weaving in it's it scary. is... It's yeah. He, he, he is fucking extraordinary in it. He is incredible. And like you said, it's really unfortunate that he's never gotten, like, any accolades for really any performance that he's given. Um, I thought he was kind of close against some kind of accolade, accolade or nominations for... um. For Hacksaw Ridge, I thought he was so good in that as Andrew Garfield's father. And yeah. I was hoping that maybe he would have been recognized some way because he's such a prolific guy in the studio, blockbuster, temple. I mean, Matrix, Lord of the Rings, 
Marvel, Transformers. He's done so much, and he's incredible. He's so good at playing very likable characters. But then he could also play the biggest scumbags ever that you don't yeah, want to mess yeah. with. And that's what I call yeah. range. And and Natalie's great in this too, of course. And I mean, this is the, of course, the film where she shaved her head and it was so iconic. And everyone's like, oh my God, why did Natalie Portman shave her head? And then they watch the movie <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. And respect, commended. But uh, yeah, Viva Vendetta is unfortunately not on my list. Um, but I, f- I feel like Garn State and V for Vendetta are the only films that neither of us have on our list. I don't have V for Vendetta. You don't have Garn State. And, you know, you brought up before how it would it would have been shocking if you didn't have Black Swan on your list. So then it makes it genuinely makes me wonder. This has to be on your list. And if it's not on your list, either you haven't seen it. Or you just don't like it as much as other Natalie films. I'm starting to get a little... I don't know what your number one is. I'm genuinely curious. But before we even get to our number ones, I have to say my number two. So my number two... Wait, wait. Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. (laughs) So I'm guessing that Black Swan is number one. And number two, is it Leon the Professional? Number two is not Leon the Professional. Ah, okay, okay. Okay, well, I'm bad. Okay. Sorry, he just let you get to it. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. So number two for me is Jackie. That's my number two. Um when I saw Jackie, I had no idea what to expect walking it walking into it. I had no idea the direction you they were gonna go because I had heard reports saying that it wasn't like a full on biopic of Jackie Kennedy. I was like, do we really need a biopic about Jackie Kennedy? And it's not that at all. We get some glimpses of how she became the first lady, but it's really more so a focus on what happened with her after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And Pablo Lorraine directed this. This was the first thing that I ever saw from him. This was essentially the first film that he made where it was like this broken piece on a historical female figure. He did this, and then obviously he did Spencer a few years later with Kristen Stewart playing Princess Diana. And he just rapped on some movie with Angelina Jolie, which I'm sure is going to rock. I'm very excited to see that whenever it comes out. But Jackie, to me, is one of those films... Where after I saw it, I couldn't stop thinking about it because it was a very emotionally gripping journey following Jackie Kennedy in the aftermath of her husband getting assassinated. And Natalie Portman brings this very quiet side to Jackie Kennedy, this very reserved performance. We talked about a reserved performance that she brought to Annihilation, but this I think is way more reserved than what she does in Annihilation. And to me, it's tough because, you know, she did Black Swan. It got it got her an Oscar. And there were, have been cases made where that might be the best acting she's ever done. Honestly, I, I think this might be the best acting she's ever done. I love this performance so much. And 
we saw the side of Natalie that we really hadn't seen before. It's a very beautiful performance. It's a very moving performance. It's also a very haunting performance. This is a 90-minute film that creeps upon you every single minute as it progresses. It's actually a horror movie when you really think about it. Like, yeah, it's a biographical period drama, but in its core, it's scarier than a lot of the movies that had come out that year. And I think a lot of that has to honestly do with the score by Mika Levy. Incredible score. Uh, Oscar-nominated score, actually. Um, should have won the Best Score Oscar, in my opinion. I know that's a bit of a hot take. And I also think Natalie should have won Best Actress. But, you know, that was the year of La La Land. And Natalie lost the Best Actress Oscar to Emma Stone, where I this may cause some... Um, people throwing flames at me oh, no. and everything um <laughs> i i i love emma stone i love la la land la la land is a great film i'm literally looking at a poster of it right now as we speak i love that movie so much and i loved her in it but that to me is not an oscar in performance compared to what natalie brought to jackie it's a very very moving performance and it's so good that after I remember, after I saw the movie, I went to an art house theater here in Jersey, and it was packed. It was completely sold out. Um, I remembered that everybody, unanimously, people that liked the movie and people that didn't like the movie, everyone was in agreement that Natalie's performance was unbelievably great, and it was. And it's a film that I unfortunately haven't gone back to since it came out. So it's been seven years since I've seen it and it really pains me that that's the case because it's a film that just left such a impact on me but it's also it's also a difficult watch it's not exactly a film that you could just pop in whenever you're in the mood for a movie oh I'm gonna have friends over what's popping Jackie no not the ideal <laughs> movie to watch with your friends and everything but it's it's incredible it's incredible and it's also a very unique take on the bio the biopic because with a lot of the biopics that we've gotten not just recently but in general they're basically cradle to grave looks at them we don't need to see what jackie kennedy was when she was a kid i think it's good that we got focused on this specific period of jackie kennedy and again it's so beautiful and natalie is fantastic and honestly she looked a lot like jackie kennedy the makeup team did a fantastic job of making her resemble Jackie Kennedy. And the sequence where we do see JFK's assassination, one of the most haunting sequences of that entire year. Like, obviously, we all knew it was coming because we're all familiar with the assassination of JFK. But seeing it unfold on screen the way that they they didn't shy away from anything. I mean, they like they were building it up. But then once we finally got to see it happen. And then there was that great track shot of the camera following the car and you just see his body just like laid, like the body's just plopped. And then you just see her looking over and just holding her breath and everything. It's extraordinary acting. And yeah, I love Jackie. It's fantastic. And it's arguably to me, my favorite Natalie Portman performance. And the only reason why it's not my number one Natalie Portman film is because my number one film, which obviously everyone knows what it is at this point, 
I've seen that film way more times, and it's a film that I can rewatch multiple times. This is a very difficult movie to go back to, despite it being so freaking good. But yeah, Jackie is my second favorite Natalie Portman film of all time. So now transitioning into our number ones. Could the film be Jackie? Could it be something else? I'm so curious to hear what Natasha's number one is. So, Natasha, tell us what your number one favorite Natalie Portman film of all time is. Wow, um, you really built up the tension. <laughs> uh, okay. You're right in saying that um, maybe Jackie isn't on my list because I've never watched it. I know maybe it's like, it's a blasphemy at this point, but I think, I don't know. Um, I heard a lot of good things about the film, but it's just... It's just one of those films that I didn't watch that year and I've never gotten around to watching it. But I've watched Spencer, so I think uh, hearing you speak about Jackie, I think I'll, I'll definitely go and have a look at it. Um, yeah, but my number one film is actually uh, Closer, directed oh. by Mike Nichols. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched it? I, I, love, I love that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. Um. Yes. Okay. So, just talking about closer. I think. Uh. I think it's always difficult when you try to adapt. I think a play to film, right? A book to film, right? And this is a play, you know, originally, and it was adapted to film. And um, what is so uh, what I love about the film is that it's connected by these little moments that are stretched out over years. So when we meet these characters in these moments, right, we don't know what's happened in between. But what's so fascinating is that the dialogue kind of fills you in, right? And you realize that, hey, I don't need to know everything, but I can kind of get the bare bones and, you know, form an impression of what's happened since we last saw them, right? So I think it's always, uh, I love, I just love how it's structured in that sense. Um, These like moments that we are like peering in into these characters' lives and, you know, this, um, yeah, and how they're connected. Um, it's a four-piece film with Natalie Portman, Jude Law, Clive Owen and Julia Roberts, whom um, I think all do fantastic work in, um, in various ways, but I think Natalie Portman's performance and her role is, I think, one of, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of her... For me, I think one of my more favorite performances from her, I think um, in part because it's such an ambiguous character, but she's made it made Alice like so layered and so fascinating. Um, you know, so when we first meet, I think I think everyone knows that iconic opener of the film, right? Where you know Jude Law and Natalie Portman's characters are walking towards each other, and Damien Rice's, you know, I think the Blower's daughter plays in the background, right? And they're looking at each other, you know, and um, yeah, I I just love um how she's able to capture this portrait of a woman in love, and I think all the ways love is in this film is flawed. I think what I really like about it is that it really makes a distinction, I think, between love and romance. And I think how people and, you know, these characters are just so confused as to which is which, right? Love is, I think, something um, that is harder 
Whereas romance, I think, is a little bit more fleeting. And I think the, the whole gripe, I think, uh, and I think the conflict that happens in the film is that a lot of these characters cannot distinguish between love and romance, right? And I think Natalie Portman's character, Alice, you know, really, I think, loves in a very deep way, in a way that is self-sacrificing, in a way that, you know, defies understanding and belief. You know, she can love him, through the fact that he leaves her, right? She can love him uh, despite not sharing everything about herself. Yeah, so I think it really makes us question what is true intimacy and what, you know, love is. And I think it's just a very fascinating film. And she's a ton of great lines, like um, when she says, lying's the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off, but it's better if you do, right? Um, and Natalie Portman does this like little half smile thing. It's I feel like that's her signature look. Like she does this thing where she smiles and it's a half, it's a half smile. Uh, Hello, stranger, you know. Um, and when she says, um, what is this love, right? Um, you know, I can't feel it. I can't, you know, taste it. You know, it, there's a bunch of words, but, you know, I don't know. I just love, I think, all the performances. And she's just, once again, right? I think it's just a, a talent of hers to just be the emotional center of every film that she's been a part of, you know. Um, and in this case, you know, she's not technically the lead. It's a four-piece film, but her character and her story and the way she she acts is just, you know, she's has Alice, she's everything. She's funny, she's flirty, she's coitish, she's disarming. Yeah, so, um, I don't know. And I think it really breaks the mold. I think sometimes when uh, actors choose to do this kind of, you know, um, I don't know, I just feel like she's always taking risks with whatever she does, right? I mean, she wears a thong in this film. It's it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I think it's Natalie Portman in a way that we've never really seen her. Um, and her ability, I think, to to be so um, emotionally bare without once again saying much is, I think, one of her strongest talents. So, yeah, I think, I mean, sometimes I think the idea of film is that I don't know. Yeah, I, I love Closer, but I, I think there are a lot of people who might not like it. But yeah, it's maybe it's weird that it's my number one and that I chose it over Black Swan. Yeah, I might get some flick for that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, Closer is, is very, very good. Um, same year as Garance say it's so interesting that she did two drastically different films that year. Um, I mean, they're yeah, two very yeah. different films and very different characters as well. Um, Natalie actually isn't even my favorite performance from the film. I think the MVP of Closer is actually Clive Owen. I think Clive <laughs> Owen is was yeah. I, I really I think Clive Owen was the scene steward of the whole film. I loved his arc so much. I mean, it's a it's a very bizarre film. It's very strange, and I will admit that the first time I saw the movie, I was not into it at all. I was watching it being like, I hate all these people so much. How am I supposed to root for any of these characters when one person's going to this person and another person's going to that person? It's like a whole square of romance. It's literally four people. Like One person's this. One person's that. It's like, oh my god, make up your mind. But you know what? I, I have a lot of respect for Mike Nichols. He's a filmmaker whose filmography I want to delve more into. I love The Graduate so much. The Graduate is so, so good. So I feel like naturally, like anytime he has anything, like 
well, I mean, not anymore. He's no longer with us. But uh, anytime that I hear about a film that he made, it automatically catapults to the top of my watch list. And I really liked Closer a lot. I didn't love it, though, uh, the first time. But when I saw it the second time, I definitely liked it a lot more. I still don't think it's a perfect movie by any means. I really liked her in it. I thought it was a very deserving first Oscar nomination for Natalie. But, yeah, it's a good number one for sure. It definitely surprises me that, Jack, you didn't make your list. But you gave your reasons before jumping into why Closer was your number one, which I totally respect. And my number one is the most cliche dancer of all time. My number one's Black Swan, of course. Um, best film that she's ever done, hands down. Um, I know I brought up that Jackie was maybe the best performance she's ever given. I mean, there's really no wrong answer. It's really between the two of these films as the best performance that she's ever given. Uh, I've talked about Black Swan many times on this podcast, so I'm not going to repeat myself when talking about it, but it's a really incredible psychological mind-bending journey following this ballet dancer who just wants to be the best and be perfect and get the role of the Swan Queen. And she goes through all these trials and tribulations. She goes through this very intense emotional journey as well as physical journey throughout the movie. Natalie disappears into the role of Nina. It's it's a performance that requires a lot. And she goes places that at the time you really didn't see Natalie Portman go towards. And who better to get a career best churn from her than Darren Aronofsky. Say what you want about him as a filmmaker. I know he's very divisive and very polarizing. I'm a huge Aronofsky fan. Not everything he makes is incredible, but I'm a big fan. And I especially love what he brings out of his actors. And this is not my favorite Darren Aronofsky directed performance. That would easily be Mickey Rourke and The Wrestler. But Natalie's a close second. She's like right behind Mickey Rourke. Um, she is so extraordinary in this. She is so haunting in this. You find yourself really liking the character, but then you also find yourself questioning if the character is worth liking. But then you realize that she's just trying to um follow her dream and everything. We all go down the path of trying to strive towards our dreams and ambitions and goals. And the places she goes to may not necessarily be the best. But it's a really impressive psychological horror thriller. It's not even a horror movie. It's more so a thriller drama. But it's so, so riveting from start to finish. She's incredible. She works off both Vincent Cassell and Mila Kunis really well. And then the sequences with her mother, played by the incredibly terrifying, monumentally haunting Barbara Hershey. My God, one of the scariest depictions of mother- on screen, it kind of reminded me so much of Piper Laurie and Carrie. It just reminded me so much of that performance of like a mother who's trying to do all these things for her child, but then she realizes that she's going just a little too far with it. Like there are sequences where Nina just wants to eat some food. She's like, "No, you cannot eat this, or you cannot eat this, or whatever." Oh no, the, her mother tries to feed her stuff, and then Nina's like, "No, I can't eat this." And then it all flips around and everything, and um. The score is compelling. It's directed really well. The writing is great. This was a Best Picture nominee, which is so shocking because this does not feel like a film that the Academy would nominate for Best Picture. It also doesn't feel like a performance that they would give an Oscar to. And the fact that Natalie swept that entire season, got all the accolades that she needed, and 
in my opinion, it's one of the best best actress winners of the past fifteen years because it's not your conventional Oscar winning performance. It's very different from what we usually see in a performance that wins an Academy Award. And I think it's awesome that the Oscars decide we're going to do something different and we're going to award Natalie Portman for her work at Black Swan. And arguably, of all the people nominated that year for Best Actress, she was the best one. She was the absolute best. And she really knocked it out of the park in this movie. She also met her husband on the set of this movie, which is very, very cool. Her husband did choreography for this. There's been stuff going on with them in the news. We're not going to go into full detail about that. But um, I don't know what else to say about Black Swan that hasn't been said already. Um, I mean, I did I did a yeah. Darren Aronofsky ranking super early on in this podcast, if you guys want to hear my thoughts on the movie. But... I love it to pieces. I really do. It's incredible. When she literally screams from the top of her lungs, I'm the swan queen. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go, Nina, let's go, and everything. I love that so much. Um, yeah, I love the movie. It's fantastic. And really the reason why it works as well as it does is because of her. I mean, you owe a lot to Aronofsky as well and the screenwriter of this film, but I think the movie wouldn't be what it is without the extraordinary performance from Natalie Portman. So Black Swan is my number one, my favorite Natalie Portman film of all time. I really adore it. It's so, so good. And there are so many films to definitely give a shout out to that didn't make either of our lists. But before we talk about those honorable mentions, let's recap our list from five to one. So Natasha, what is your list? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, number five is Annihilation. Number four is May December. Number three is Black Swan. Number two is V for Vendetta, and number one is Closer. And to recap my yeah. list, coming in, number five is Annihilation. Number four is May December. Number three, Garden State. Number two, Jackie, and number one, Black Swan. So that is it with our list. So let's talk about some of the films that didn't make the cut. So. Natasha, what are some films that you want to give a shout out to that we didn't talk about on either of our lists today? Uh, I don't know. The only okay, I think um, these are films that I enjoyed her performance in. But I mean, I think everyone knows these films. Uh, like I, I really enjoyed her in No Strings Attached. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm it's it's an enjoyable rom-com but i mean i mean it's not gonna you know it's not gonna crack uh any top five list i actually really enjoyed her in thor as well um yeah the yeah the you know the first film and even the recent one i don't know is uh even in her you know she, even though she's not in it much i guess you know because it's thor's film um but I don't know. She makes the character Jane like, just really compelling. So I really enjoyed her in that. But I think these films, everyone knows. I think I've heard a lot about Leon the Professional, but I've never had a chance to watch it. I know oh, that people man. say it's kind of controversial. Is it? <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, she gets a lot of acclaim for that film as well, her performance. So I think those are the ones that would, off the top of my head, would be my... Yeah, would be my selections. I think there's another one which acts in with Susan Sarandon. I think Anywhere But Here, something like that. Um, yeah, which I, I really enjoy. I think she had that whole phase where she did a lot of, of these like coming-of-age kind of films, you know, um, which were quite enjoyable. So yeah, I think I enjoyed that one 
as well. Yeah, but I think that's it so far. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, Leon the Professional is extraordinary. It's one of the great child performances that I've ever seen from her. She's so good in that movie, and it really is extraordinary stuff. Um, it's one of the few Luc Besson films that I actually enjoy. Um, even though these films aren't great, I like her in Star Wars, um, specifically Revenge of the Sith. I mean, that's my favorite of the prequels. I feel like unanimously that's everyone's favorite of the prequels. Um, I do like her in, in the Thor movies. I really, I actually think the first one is a very underrated MCU entry. I don't really like Thor, the dark world. That's the second one. And I really, <laughs> and I really didn't love in Thunder either. I, I found that to be so sloppy and so messy and so unfunny. I liked seeing her back as that role. And I, I definitely was yeah. interested in what they were doing with that performance um, with that character, but just not my favorite. And then also, I do like No Strings Attached. Although I am in the camp where I prefer Friends with Benefits over No Strings Attached. Oh my um, god, same, same. Uh, I, those two it, films so, always get compared. It's so yeah. funny how her and her Black Swan co-star both did movies that are essentially the same premise in the same year after they did Black Swan because this was her first film after she won the Oscar for black swan which is crazy and everything again she really should do more comedy because she is so she's so good and no strings attached i mean it's not exactly the most groundbreaking performance ever but i like her a lot in that movie um obviously for for vendetta that's an honorable mention for me um i have to like really think about other ones for me um Vox Lux. I think she's very. Vox Lux is good. I like that one. Um, sh- shout out to my friend Kenzie of the podcast. I'm sorry that this didn't make my top five. I'm sorry. Um, I know how much you love Vox Lux. Um, and then closer, of course, we talked about. And yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, she has a role in Heat, but it's not exactly the biggest role in that movie. Um, and then. Yeah, I mean that's she's quite selective. I feel she in, is. Yeah, in the film, she doesn't. She doesn't. Which, it's which, not which is good. Broad. Which is good that she's yeah. selective. She takes her time with projects. She's not someone that does like twenty projects a year, which I respect. But, um, she is very selective with her roles. Um, and then in terms of stuff she has coming out, the only thing listed that I see that she has coming out is a limited series for Apple TV Plus called Lady in the Lake which is about an investigative journalist working on an unsolved murder that clashes with a woman working to advance the agenda of the city's black community. Co-stars her, Moses Ingram, who was recently on Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mikey Madison, who was in Scream 5 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Noah Jupe, who was in Honey Boy and The Quiet Place. Uh, I don't know too much about the film, except it is... It's written and directed by Alma Harrell, who directed Honey Boy, which Noah Jupe was obviously in. Um, uh-huh. Natalie's never really done television, so I think it's cool that she's going to be stepping out of her comfort zone and doing a television series. I mean, she's hosted SNL. She's done some voice work on The Simpsons and everything, but um, her being the lead of a series is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, how about you? Are you looking forward to this series? 
That sounds cool. <laughs> that premise sounds interesting. And does she play the detective? Is that her role? Probably. She she plays. I don't know actually. I'm not sure. It doesn't tell me if she <laughs> plays the detective yeah. or the journalist. It doesn't. It doesn't say. Yeah. 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 That we kind of. I think it sounds cool. Yeah. Absolutely. I, a lot of Apple TV. A lot of Apple series are actually quite decent. I would yeah, say. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Um, and before we close out, I like to throw a fun question at the end of these episodes. So. Who is a filmmaker that you really want to see Natalie Portman work with? And what's a genre that you want to see her tackle that she hasn't done before? Like, if you were given the opportunity to pitch a Natalie Portman movie, who would direct it and what genre would it be? Oh, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, this is a difficult, difficult question. Um, I feel like she's done everything, but I guess maybe there's a genre that I want to see her more in. I, but I love her so much as a dramatic actress. I don't know if I want to see her in more comedies. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, I don't know, maybe horror? <laughs> horror? Yeah, no, oh, that would be great. More, more sci-fi, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> oh my god, she she would yeah. she would be. I'm surprised that she hasn't worked with Christopher Nolan yet. I'm shocked. She seems like a perfect fit yeah. for a Christopher Nolan performance. I mean, he needs to write his women better, but um, yes, yes, like he, he she the would be a good fit. Oh, a hundred percent. She would be perfect for a Christopher Nolan film. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is a out of the box choice, but maybe M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> you know I, what? I would be interested to you, see. You know yeah. what? That would be that would be cool. I would be very behind that. I would be very behind yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think he's quite divisive, and I, he's had really some really bad films. Um, yeah, but the ones that he does well, I've always enjoyed. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he could do with the actress like Portman. Um, yeah, so I guess I would like to see her, I guess, in a little bit more horror-type films. I think we've seen her so much in dramatic films, thrillers even. Like, she does a lot of those, you know, in sci-fi with Annihilation. She does a lot of dramas. So I guess the most obvious choice would be comedy, but I don't know if I want to see her in a comedy necessarily. I think she would be funny, but... You know, do I need to see her in a comedy? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, so maybe horror, maybe more thriller, but she's done all of those. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's a, oh God, it's, maybe it's a bad choice, but yeah, I'll be no, curious to see like what they could do together. Yeah. Right. No, it's not a bad choice at all. Um, For me, I kind of want to see her do an adventure movie kind of akin to like, uh, indiana jones or maybe like the lost city of z to some extent i think that would be really cool if she did something like that where it was primarily set like in the jungle and the wild and everything not necessarily like a fun film but like something kind of akin to the lost city of z where you know it's kind of an eternal struggle movie to some extent and it's not your typical adventure movie and then the filmmaker that i would love to see her work with um easily for me i'm gonna say 
I'm gonna say Sofia Coppola. I'm gonna say Sofia Coppola. I think I I'm kind of surprised that she hasn't worked with um Sofia. I'm shocked that they haven't worked together before, but that's who I'm gonna say. I would say that Sofia Coppola is the filmmaker that I want to see her work. Now, th- does that mean that I want Sofia Coppola to direct an adventure movie? Not necessarily, but <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, it would be probably really cool if she did something like that. But um, no, Sofia Coppola would be the filmmaker I would want Natalie to work with. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like the the it might have been a higher possibility if Natalie was younger. Yeah. I don't know. So Sofia Coppola tends to um I think her films tend to focus skew young. Like the the the, the main actress is always a bit young, I would say, like Lost in Translation, The Virgin Suicides, um Priscilla recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think if she was younger probably. I don't yeah. know. Um, I mean, she did the one with Rashida Jones, I think. I can't remember what it's called. On the There's Rocks. Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's possible. Uh, that That's kind of a funny-ish film from Sofia, Sofia Coppola. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah de- definitely, definitely. And, you know, to close out our thoughts on Natalie Portman, I love her. She's great. She's a fantastic actress. And... I will always be excited whenever I see her name attached to a project. I will always get excited to see whatever she does, regardless of the genre, regardless of who directs it, regardless of who's starring alongside her. I'm a big fan of her. I've been a fan of her for a very long time, like 20 years at this point, ever since I was a kid. And I've grown to watch her. Not only have I grown myself, I have grown to see her involved into a really exceptional actor. And yeah, I love her so much. So what are your final thoughts on Natalie Portman? I think um, Natalie Portman is one of the few actors of her generation that is able to, I think, deliver a performance that is um, poignant, emotional. I think her physicality, regardless of the role, is always present. You know, she's very small, so I think... um, for an actor that small, I think to take up so much space in the film is 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 great. Um, her ability, I think, to emote without dialogue is fascinating. Um, I just love looking at her face and the, I think the various micro expressions that just um flits across it every time she acts. Uh, I just love watching all the projects she's in because I think she chooses really interesting and different things to be a part of. So, I mean, I think we can, we, it's a testament, right, that both of our top fives, I think, um, she's so vastly different. She plays such different characters in all these films that we've talked about. So I think um, it's rare that we get an actor that can do that. And I'm excited to see where her foray into TV takes her. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, actresses are making that that leap, right? Like Nicole Kidman, Kate Winslet. So I'm excited to see what she brings to the series and you know whatever future projects she has in store. Natasha, thank you so much for coming on today to talk to me about Natalie Portman. It was such a blast getting to chat with you today about the career of Natalie Portman. Thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. I yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to speak about her films and I think all the films I really liked. So I hope I don't know, if anyone can, you know, get something from this, I think that's it's just really great. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And tell the listeners where they could find you online. Where could they find your work? 
Yeah, so you can find my my Twitter bio is lit my soul. Uh, yeah, so where I tweet about film and stuff, random thoughts. Uh, you can find my work on culturedvouchers.com. We talk a lot about film, about games, TV, um, books. Yeah, so it's a really fun time. Yeah, so uh, check us out. Yeah. And you guys can follow me on all socials at Brian Seffi. You guys can subscribe to this podcast on any podcast platform. We have a Twitter and Instagram, so you guys can stay up to date with film fragments. Let us know your favorite Natalie Portman films. Very curious to hear your guys' list. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. Be on the lookout for more great episodes coming your way. And I'll see you guys for the very next episode of Film Fragments. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 